This is Timestamp, the podcast dedicated to capturing this moment in time. I'm Amy Breslow. Today's episode, Feeding My Community. My guest today is Anne, who identifies as an African-American female of Caribbean descent. Being in a position to help feed my community, providing nutritious food so that people can nourish themselves. I've always had an affinity, I guess, for gardening. I didn't grow up on a farm or no one in my family farmed. So I'm originally from a little country called Guyana in South America. And my grandmother, my dad's mom, lived what we call up the East Bank. I would go and spend time with her. And according to my aunt, I would always be outside with her in the garden, you know, helping her take care of her stuff and animals and so forth. So I guess it was just part of me when I was younger. And I moved to the States at the age of seven. It wasn't until later on when I moved to the D.C. metro area and um, had my daughter and moved to Clarksburg, Maryland. That's when it really kicked in. I got into container gardening and would grow all sorts of things in these buckets and different containers all around my house and tons of flowers. And it just gave me such peace and made me feel so happy and It was more of a way to unwind from the work that I used to do (laughs) that I truly did not enjoy anymore and could not figure out at the time how to get out of because I was a single parent. So I needed the job because it paid me very well and gave me benefits and all the things that you need as a responsible adult to support yourself and your family. I want to say it was probably in her senior year when I decided that I was going to give up that career and try to do something else. And around that time, the Montgomery County, Maryland Park and Rex folks had started their community gardening program where you could rent small lots to grow your own vegetables. And so I rented a lot one one season and It just gave me so much peace and happiness to be out there. And I was out there one day and harvesting all these vegetables from this very small space. And it dawned on me, like, wow, if I could do this to earn a living, how incredible would that be? My intention is not to be a massive farm. My plan is to be what I call a full life cycle farm where we would not only grow vegetables, but we would raise livestock and have bees for honey and have flowers and, you know, pretty much everything that we need to survive, we should be able to produce here and produce it in a regenerative manner where everything is being 
consumed is either grown here or grown on some other farm close by. I have to give homage and credit to my employees and the folks that worked here this year. I could not have survived this season without them, especially Katie and Lois. So committed to the work and to this farm. Deep Roots Farm would not be where it is today without these two individuals. I truly believe, I'm one of those people that believe in karma, that what you put out in the universe comes back to you. And one of the driving factors behind what I'm trying to do with Deep Roots is build Deep Roots into a community farm. And I believe that God has put me in this position to do this work at this particular time so that I can be of service to my community. And when I say my community, I don't mean just people of color or people that look like me or any of that. I mean people as in just human beings, my fellow human beings. You know, food is one of those three things that we need to survive as individuals. You know, we need air, we need water, we need food. And to be able to produce and offer and supply food to my community at such a crucial time, I believe that this is what I was put here to do. One of, one of the things that I always say to folks is that they really need to not only support but also get involved with local farms because they need to understand that having sustainable local farms can save their lives in a situation like a pandemic. Now, who would have thought, I would have never imagined in in December or January that we would be in a pandemic and that, you know, the supermarkets would be shutting down or running out of food or there would be short supply of stuff, you know, and that the factories that package and, you know, ship a lot of this food that comes into our regions were going to be in a position where their employees started getting sick. So now, oh my gosh, who's going to pack all this stuff and get it on this tractor trailer that's coming from California or from wherever this stuff is coming from? And then our ports and our airports get shut down. So, you know, all of this stuff is going to impact our food supply. So you need to, I always tell folks, you because of that, you need to truly spend a little bit of time and invest in understanding and supporting small local farms because we are all out here. There's a lot of us out here, whether it be a half an acre to 20 acres or five acres or small acreage operations can produce a substantial amount of food right here in your own backyard. And deliver it to you, like your, your, the experience you had. Um, we come to the farmer's markets. Farmer's markets were declared essential operations. So we were allowed to continue to bring our produce into the city 
for distribution and for sale. And folks came out. One of the things that we tried to do this year, even though we weren't doing like farm visits and having too many people at the farm, you know, we decided we have enough space here that we could safely have folks come to the farm in small groups and volunteer. And so later on in the season, as things were st- was starting to normalize and the numbers, the curve was starting to flatten and the numbers went down, we started to allow volunteers and invite folks to come and help us at the farm. And, you know, I had so many people say to me, oh my God, I can't believe that you guys are right here. I'm so happy to have been able to come out because just to be out of my house and be out of the city and be able to have my hand in the soil and and do something that is so nourishing, not just to my community, but also to my soul. So people really enjoyed having that opportunity and needed it, you know, because you're sitting in your house and everybody's working from home and you're on the computer and it's the computer to the TV. And the minute you turn on the news, all you hear is COVID. And then, then the political season started up and then all of that negative information was out there. And then you had all these social issues popping up and all the, the riots and marches and people protesting. And it was just so much going on. I mean, I think there were so many of us, including myself, that was walking around just stressed out, anxious, anxiety level through the roof, and didn't realize how it was really impacting us. I was telling uh, Katie yesterday, I said, you know, I feel like I was walking around in a fog for so many months this year. And it wasn't until after the election (laughs) that I felt a sigh of relief and was like, oh my gosh, oh, hopefully things will start to calm down again. You know, we'll finally have someone running the country that's a reasonable thinker, a rational person that's responsible, that's not self-serving, that will really think about the benefits of how they can help everyone be safe. You know, the benefits of taking the necessary precautions like wearing masks and and social distancing. And, you know, I, I understand that for certain businesses, a lot of these restrictions can be detrimental. But I think the loss of life and the amount of people that have lost their lives and loved ones this year is, a, is sufficient justification for us to have the restrictions that are necessary to try to mitigate that. Because right now we don't know we we don't know what's going to happen. You know, we they say there are vaccines coming, but you know, I'm one of those people where I used to watch all these crazy shows, you know, all these zombie shows, and I always think to myself, oh my god, you know, something like this is going to happen, and we're going to all get this vaccine, and then we're going to all turn into zombies or something, (laughs) you know? I'm laughing about it now because I can't believe that here we are sitting in a situation where we are about to now, in a couple of weeks or months, be taking a vaccine that 
we really don't have any long-term historical data to show how it's going to affect us. But that's what we have to do because, you know, we can't, our, our, our country and our, our civilization can't really survive if we don't try something or do something soon, right? This, this virus is just not, it's not going away on its own. And so I just feel like coming full circle at the end of this year and this end of this season, we as a community and a people have to really take a step back and think about what is truly important to us. You know, I tell folks every time people ask me about my situation, you know, like I'm literally living off the grid. I mean, I'm living in an RV with no electricity, no power. And the only way I have lights and power is by hooking up my truck (laughs) to my RV and running the battery from time to time. So, you know, you make do with what you, with what you have. And I think if we needed to, I think a lot of us would be fine without a lot of the amenities and luxuries that we have and take for granted. But then there's a lot of people in our community that wouldn't even begin to know how to grow anything to feed themselves. They wouldn't even know how to forge stuff in the wild that's safe for them to eat. And so getting back to older days when people, everybody had a little small kitchen garden and grew something. I think a lot of folks have gotten to the point now where they are trying to do something because they realize how fragile our food system truly is. Being someone from another country here, I think I look at a lot of the things that we have, the the benefits that we have as American citizens. I just feel that as an American citizen, I have an obligation and a responsibility to show appreciation for all of these freedoms that we have. You know, I talk with Taylor all the time about the fact that he has served in the military and how thankful I am for him to have given of himself so freely to ensure the safety and the security of our country and these freedoms that we sometimes take for granted. All of the unrest that has been taking place in the country over the past couple of years, all the racial upheaval. I didn't grow up here in the United States during a time where there was separate but equal anything, supposedly, or as they call them, the Jim Crow time. But it makes me think, how could we live in a country that's supposed to be so powerful and affluent and at the same time, these freedoms that we enjoy can be 
taken away so easily, meaning our life, because of the color of our skin. So as a black woman, I've worked in places in corporate America, and I'll give you one specific in situation. I worked for a medical provider, a fairly large one in the country. And I was the project manager there on the on I on the IT team. And one of my colleagues that I worked with at the time said to our manager that he was afraid of me. Now this was in my twenties. And his fear came from the fact that I was too aggressive and was always pushing him and pushing him to get his work done and, and, you know, get his deliverables in on time and complete his task. And, you know, and I'm like, are you serious? This is a grown man talking about he's afraid of me, but didn't realize back then, because I was young, that term of the angry black woman is basically what I had been labeled. And not because I was an angry person, but because I'm a very passionate person. I was a very serious individual about my work, and I still am. I mean, I believe that if, you know, you have a job and you commit to doing something, you're supposed to do it, especially if you're getting paid to do it. You know, those are those are some of the things that I have dealt with personally. And there were no recourse for me when I was the one that ended up being fired because of whatever reasons they they came up with back then. But knowing that today we are now or were in <laughs> in a situation where you know folks are oh we don't want these people here and we don't want that people here and are saying it to your faces. And the people running our country were supporting that. There were days when I thought to myself, you know what, sheesh, maybe I should pack my stuff up and move back to Guyana, (laughs) you know, Um, but what would I do? What would I do if I could not farm, if I couldn't do what it is I'm so passionate and happy to be doing? And so, no, I'm not going to move back to Guyana, (laughs) but it's... You know, I I feel a sense of obligation when there's an election because I feel as someone who is a naturalized citizen, I have an obligation to exercise my right to vote in every election in this country, every local, no matter how low level the election is, because Decisions that are being made are going to directly impact not just me, but also my business and my farm. And so I just I just take that responsibility very seriously. And I, I try to tell my daughter and anyone that I know that they need to exercise their political power. Yes, it's only one vote, but that one vote could be the one vote that tips the scale. You never know. Thank you for listening. 
Timestamp is produced by me, Amy Breslow, with original music by Maddie Schuler. You can find us at timestamppodcast.com and can subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll be back in one or two weeks with the next episode. Until then, take care and be well. Thank you.